Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. If you make sure you're connected, the writing's on the wall. But if your mind's neglected, stumble, you might fall. Stumble, you might fall. Time of year is changing typically because of the change in my mail. Uh, you know, you get those, you know, I get a calendar back to school connections. I got one that said, um, connect at the gym, you know, get in shape this fall. And maybe you're just going back to school, maybe you're a teacher or something, you're reconnecting with coworkers or friends you've lost touch with over the summer. That word, connect, powerful word, little word, but it, it means literally to join or unite, to bind or link together and make contact and establish communication between things. Or to actually be in harmony with another person or, or your work. And it's natural for fall to be a season of reconnection. Because in the summer, it's kind of easy to become disconnected, right? I mean, how many of you actually went on vacation? How many of you went on vacation at some point this summer, right? You disengaged, didn't see friends and neighbors much while you traveled. Maybe you stayed, uh, you know, went down the shore or out of state or whatever. Uh, this morning, I saw family um, who literally I thought had moved. Um, but they were actually, they were like, no, we, we, we were in Maine for the entire summer. It's like, well, welcome back. You know, it's, it was great to reconnect with them. Uh, and sometimes we disconnect spiritually, right? Sometimes we go on spiritual vacation too. When we unplug from our regular routines of, you know, prayer or study or reflection or, or going to church, our, our soul kind of sleeps in a hammock, right? And we need a wake up, a spiritual refresher in the fall. Or again, maybe you're reconnecting at work. Things slowed down for uh, one of my buddies. He was like, oh, the summer was awesome. He goes, everything just kind of, the pace lessens. But now, post-Labor Day, the project's just like, boom, pick up, full force. I see some of you shaking your head. Teachers here, how many teachers do we have with us? Okay, I can see the look on your faces. You didn't even have to raise your hand. You're just like, here, you know. Uh, maybe you're starting class. Uh, but the summer's all about unplugging. But when you put the flip-flops away, fall is a natural state of reconnection. When you're reestablishing and coming back into harmony, with our work and our relationships. Now, just to make this interactive, I would like to take an informal survey here today because I see actually a lot of uh, new faces, some of you tan and rested. The teachers are like pale and drawn, but just, just a brief survey to gauge how connected you currently are entering the fall season. How many of you have a cell phone with you? You have a cell phone with you? Okay, take it out. Put your hands down, take your cell phone out, and, uh, and flip it open if, if it's one of those flip tops or whatever. But uh, you are probably familiar with these little symbols, right? These five little bars that we have on our cell phone. Mine is in the upper left-hand corner. You see that on yours, right? Now, what do those, you guys know this, what do these five bars measure? What do they tell you? The strength of your, yeah, the connection, your, your signal. If you're at full strength, you see all five bars, right? You are fully connected. Your, your call goes through, your voice on the other end is, is, is crystal clear. And if the connection is, is spotty, right, it kind of goes down to three bars. Sometimes like when you're driving around, it kind of flickers out and your connection falters. And if it drops out and goes down, of course, you know, to no bars, you, you know what that means. You've got Verizon. Right, and uh, I know I'm going to get these like angry emails from like telecommunications uh, executives, but uh, but this, these bars measure the. Excuse excuse me a minute here. Hello. Yeah, he's here. Okay. Can you hold on? One, Mike Coyle, where's Michael? Is Michael here? It's, this is really awkward. This is for you. Why are they calling me? This is for you. Sorry, sorry. It's an awkward moment here. Hello. I'll just go on. Tim, it's your wife, Colleen. What? Why is she? What is she calling you? She said she made your point about the connection. You can move on now. Thanks. Oh, okay. Thank you, Tal. That's good. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, she actually says she only has about two bars connection with you right now. So there's. Oh, okay. <laughs> and wanted to call you to tell me. Okay. Very. Okay. Very helpful. Hey, it's, it's dead. Hello? <laughs> you know, this is the thing. You can tell, can't you, the strength of your connection with those who are closest to you in your life. Got, my wife has to call Michael Coyle, haha, 
But you can think about it, actually. The strength of your connection is spotty at times. It drops out, goes down to no bars in all the important areas of our lives, right? Our relationships, our relationship with God. My wife, three bars of connection at this point. Let me ask you, how's the strength of your connection? What would you say if you had to measure it in bars in the vital areas? Think about the things I just mentioned that tend to disconnect during the summer. How about your connection with God, for instance? Where would you rank that? I want you to now, here, keep your cell phones out. I want to do this live, okay? Now, if you have a speakerphone, turn it on. All right? There you go. You turn your speakerphone on. Um, so we can hear the buttons that you push, right? Five is the strongest connection. You could go down four, three, two, one, like zero. Okay. What's the strength of your connection with God this afternoon? Just coming in here out of summer, looking ahead to fall. How many bars would you say in that relationship? I mean, if you're honest. So at the same time, everyone's going to hit the number of their keypad, five, four, three, two, one, representing where you are. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> I heard someone just like turn off their phone. Uh, okay. If you're at a three, all the threes hit at once. Ready? One, two, three. Threes? Twos? Anyone at five? You are di- Does anyone have a relationship with God here? <laughs> this is like, okay, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your phone. All right, all right, wait, wait, forget we forgot zero, actually. You could be at zero. Some of you may feel like you actually, well, I've got actually no connection to God. Um, maybe that call dropped out some weeks ago and you're going through like a dead spot. It's actually okay to be a zero. We welcome spiritual zeros at Liquid. Any, any zeros? Okay. I'll hit mine. Zero with you. Okay. If that's, if that's you, don't feel alone. How about your connection with friends? Or those of you you are closest with. If you've got a, a, like a, you know, a spouse or whatever the vital relationships in, in your life. In fact, before you rank the strength of those connections, you want to know how you determine who those people are who's really important in your life right now? Who's on your speed dial? Who are your top five on your speed? You got speed dial? Who are, who's in there? Who are your top five? Mine are, I'll tell you real quick. I've got home. I've got Colleen, Mike Leahy, and Mama Mia's. There it is. <laughs> Restaurant across the street. Who's on your speed dial? That'll tell you the priority of your connection. So, so rank them. How many of you would say, you know what? I've actually been away this summer. I'm like a one or two with the people who are kind of important in my life. I kind of like feel a little bit of distance with them. How many threes there? Raise your hand or hit your button there. Threes. Okay. Threes. Coming back into it. Four or five. You're like, I took a cross-country road trip with my in-laws, and uh, we are really dialed in, right? Okay. Any, any zeros here? Because you don't have anyone on your speed dial. Any, anyone here? Okay. Just yell, yell out your number. We'll call you make you feel better, right? I mean, um, okay, last area of your life. Now, most of us are adults here today. How's your connection with your work? Vacation is now over. You're headed back tomorrow morning to the office or classroom, wherever you work. How are you feeling about that? Is your work connected to a deep sense of purpose and fulfillment? You love what you do. Can't wait to get there tomorrow. Let's go backwards. Anyone have fives? Five, let's hit them all at once. Everyone who says, love my job, five. Okay, that was literally, I saw one hand go up. I actually, okay, I think they're calling in sick. Uh, anyone, threes, raise your hand, threes. Threes and ones. You are dreading Monday. You're like, just keep this. Okay, all right. That's, thank you for your honesty. Some shaky connections there. God friends in work. I mean, these are three vital categories in the majority of lives here today. And if you're like me, your sense of connectedness, you know, has some strong signals, has some dead spots. It waxes and wanes like, a, like your cell phone strength. And really, the fall is as good a time as any as take stock to do an honest assessment of how connected your life is. Now, these are not three arbitrary, you know, areas, God, your friends in work. But these are actually basic points of connection that were planted in your heart really from the beginning of time. Everyone has three basic needs according to primal creation history in the word of God. To find God, to find a friend, and to find a job. To be deeply connected to God, to connect with friends in our lives and close relationships, and actually to play a role that imbues your days here on earth with meaning and purpose. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Um, There's a reason we are all creatures of connection, and the reason is simple. Your creator created you to be connected. You were created for connected living. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 in your Bibles. I want to go back to the very beginning, not the beginning of the summer, the beginning of creation. We'll start with the basics here, and this is easy to find, especially if you're new to church or the whole Bible thing. Time, let's get some lights for people. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. In fact, does anyone know what Genesis means? Anyone? Yeah, beginnings. Or origin. So if you open the cover of your Bible to the first page, you are there. How many of you found it? Okay, wow, a sea of Bible scholars. Good job. Now, many of you are familiar with Genesis. As a book of beginnings, it was authored by Moses, 
around 1450 BC or so. And really, it's the story of God's purpose and plan for his creation, which includes us, his creatures. Now, as the book of beginnings, this sets the stage for the entire Bible. Genesis reveals who our God is, the creator and sustainer of everything we see in all creation. It highlights the value and dignity of human beings. Each of us are actually made in God's image. We're created to bear his likeness in our lives. And then, of course, it records the tragedy and the consequences of sin when when brokenness enters the world. That's in chapter 3, right? The fall of man. And really, the rest of the Bible is, is the second act where God promises to redeem his creation to give us a second chance and ultimately bring salvation through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to our world. But I want to focus today on just the first two chapters, first two pages of the Bible, to give you a blueprint of the original connection for which you were created. As I said, we're creatures of connection, hardwired from the beginning, the inception of time to be fully connected. But like, what does that mean? What's God's like divinely ordained design for connection? I think you actually see it in those three charges. Find God, find a friend, find a job. Let's start with the God connection. So let's go back to the original account in Genesis 2. We'll just look at 7 and 8. After creating the heavens and the earth, right? We got the sky, the stars, the sea, livestock, birds, the fish. God's crowning achievement was you. You and me, it says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The pneuma, or breath of God, breathes life into each of us. If you were here last week for a communion experience, Pastor Dave talked a little bit about that. You learned about this. God breathes life into us, and then he sets us in an environment, right? Verse 8, look at this. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east... In Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Now stop. This is the first picture of primal creation. God breathes into Adam and sets him in a garden paradise, which makes some of us wistful for vacation, right? That's literally why, like, the beach or mountains are so alluring to us, right? When when we travel, or retreat into unspoiled nature, we experience like these echoes of Eden. This is what you were made for. But I want you to envision this from a spiritual perspective. Remember, connection literally means to be in harmony with or communicate directly with. And that's how Adam related to God in Eden. Face to face, uninterrupted connection, no static or distance between him and God. Full five bars of reception. Physical paradise, and a spiritual one too. This environment was perfect. It's like untouched by death and decay or disease at this point, like environmental perfection. That's God's original intent for the world. And the spiritual connection between man and God was perfect. Now, can you imagine that? Like being in perfect sync and harmony and direct communication with your creator. I mean, an intimate closeness, close as the breath in your nose. Those of you who believe in God, you may have had tastes of that at times, right? Where you're like dialed into God. But often our relationship with God is marked by by post-fall effects that create distance. Things like shame or or guilt or regret or or distrust. All the things that actually impede our relationship with God. But that's actually post-fall after Eden. That's what we know, I mean, here in 2007. But at this point in the story, in primal creation, all man has ever known is perfect, uninterrupted connection with God. In fact, it's a connection that's actually measured in physical proximity as well as relational. Look at Genesis 3.8. It says, The man heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I want you to imagine this. How many of you have gardens? Anyone have a garden here? You have a garden like in your backyard. You pick tomatoes, right? Why don't you imagine you're in your garden like Adam. You're naked, all right? <laughs> and you're working in your garden. You're naked in your garden. And say like you hear footsteps. You're like, whoa, 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 you're not alone. Someone else is walking, you know, is in the bushes. Like, well, who's here? And it's like, oh, whew, it's you, God. You scared me. Yeah, and, God, you know, and God's like, yeah, sorry about that. What's your plan? You know, it's kind of like, that is literally how close Adam walked with a man as his, as his friend, God and man. I mean, it's almost impossible for us to imagine relating to God that closely. Where his presence is so immediate and discernible to our senses and we can like talk directly with him and exchange conversation. Look at verse 9. It says, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. Just catch the significance of what's happening here. This is the first recorded exchange of conversation between God and a human being 
ever. A Q&A. God asks his question, Adam answers. <laughs> Adam has a question for God and the creator verbally replies. We have no idea what that kind of connection is like, back and forth, do we? I mean, it's one thing to talk to God. <laughs> Another to hear his voice respond to us with like specific direction and answers. Yet this is the kind of connection that every man and woman were designed to experience with God. This is the ideal, folks. Way back in primal creation history, God may seem to you like he's hiding, but he in fact wants to be found. He wants to be known and actually know each of us in a personal way. I know that seems unbelievable. That's because we live on the other side of the fall and there is disconnection. It's harder now that sin has spoiled the environment, right? Even folks who believe in God don't, don't hear his voice audibly. And there are many other voices in our broken world competing for our attention, kind of just bringing static into that, that relationship. That's why our connection signal with God tends to wax and wane. I saw that while I was, uh, while I was on vacation, actually early this summer, a couple weeks ago. My wife and I went down to uh, LBI. We're celebrating our ninth wedding anniversary, kind of shipped the kids off to the grandparents. And we still away, you know, for a little R&R. And it was interesting because I, I need some time away. I was facing a decision about a commitment this fall. Uh, it, was, it was actually a, a, a neat opportunity. I was kind of invited into this, uh, this ministry invitation that, that, that would require me to fly down to Tampa once a month this fall. And I, I honestly didn't know what to do. It was, it was, gonna, you know, it was actually going to hang around some other, other leaders and, and, and kind of pour into me, people I admire. Lots of advantages. Lots of disadvantages, though, because be away from like, you know, wife and kids, more time, another commitment on my already kind of overloaded schedule. So anyway, I've been praying about this through the summer, just kind of talking to God about it. But when I got away to, to, to LBI, I just felt like, you know, I had some token prayers, like, Lord, just kind of give me guidance on that. Colin and I go to the beach, and uh, the beach is kind of a, a therapeutic place, amen? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I sit down, and, uh, you know, and, um, and Colleen sits down, and she opens up, you know, her People magazine. She's going to totally, I shouldn't have told you that. Pretend you didn't hear that. She reads People magazine, you know, those trash rags and everything. And I'm like, oh, please, you know. And I got out, like, Leadership Journal, and I'm just like, this, wow, Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay Lowen is looking heavier. Wow, that, look at that. You know, I'm like, I'm like looking over there, you know, kind of looking in there. And Heath Ledger's with her. No, what, what, you know, I started reading my articles and whatever. And uh, in the first article that I had put away about four months ago, I mean, starts talking about burnout. About how you know you're burned out when prayer is really the first thing to go. When, when all your conversation with God is simply just throwing stuff up there. Hail Mary prayer, just asking him for something. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's, that's yeah, wow. And say, one of, the rest, one of the remedies for that is to actually to learn to say no to actually things that are good and er, impress for your time. And I, and I read this and it hits home and I'm like, like God, maybe you're, maybe you're talking to me here. I read the second article and the title of it is Ministry at Mach 5. And it's all about the effects of busyness and progress on our soul. It was actually an interview with this pastor who, who, yeah, from the Midwest. He's like a highly celebrated guy. He grew a church from five people to 5,000. Like a lot of people, wow. He publicly celebrated, but privately devastated. He said, actually, um, yeah, moving that to 5,000 people, my staff completely burned out. There was thinly veiled hostility between all of us. My wife said I became the most distant, emotionally disconnected man she knew. <laughs> I lost patience with my kids. And he said, in actually growing the church of Jesus Christ, I grew less like Jesus Christ. And he goes on in this article about how he ignored all these red lights kind of flashing on his dashboard and got away with that for a couple of seasons and then just had this massive implosion, spectacular flame out, which actually resulted in a season of, of kind of recreation. It was actually a hopeful article. It's kind of funny. Uh, the, the staff of this church, they received this award for being one of the top five fastest growing churches in the Midwest. So what they do, they took the plaque out to the woods and tied it to a tree and shot it with a shotgun. <laughs> because their overcommitment to ministry had totally fried them. So I finished reading the second article, and I'm like, okay, God, maybe you're, maybe you're talking to me here. So, so I get up, I, I put my magazine down, I'm like, I'm going to take a walk, sweetheart. And I start walking down the beach, and I actually just like start praying, like, Lord, if this, is trying to, if this is you trying to tell me something, and he's like, I am, don't go. You know. And it was literally clear as day. I did not hear his voice, but all of a sudden I was flooded with this sense in my heart of clarity and certainty that under no circumstances was I supposed to fly to Tampa throughout the fall. That I was actually supposed to decline this invitation. And it was amazing because I heard, don't go. And I literally like turned around and to go to Colleen. And I go, well, not going to Florida. 
And she's like, what? Wait, why, why not? I was like, God just told me directly. And she's like, are you sure? I was like, positive. And she was surprised because she had actually said, you know, if you need to go, if you really need to go, you know, I'll tough it out with the kids. He knows those kind of things fill me up and stuff. But she was like, you know, wow, I could tell you with 100% certainty that God was speaking directly to me, answering my prayer. And it was like, it was like I got a voicemail from God himself. This was like a moment of five on my connection spectrum with God. And only if it could stay that way. (laughs) Because it's funny, isn't it? You've had those moments, maybe some of you. We can go to sleep one day feeling deeply connected to the voice of God and wake up the next day just wondering if it was all a dream. (laughs) Because we return home and reality hits, right? Kids come back from their grandparents. (laughs) Work starts up the next morning. Literally, I I like get up early, you know, to pray, and but I'm like late, so I'm trying to pray like I'm in the shower, you know, and my thoughts overtake me. All the emails like waiting at work, like oh, I'm already behind stuff to do, etc. I'm like, you know. Well, dear God, I just, you know, I hear the radio upstairs, the sports center, and the kids are crazy, and I can't concentrate, and it's like, psh, the connection just psh, drops out, the signal, down to a one or a two, the day I got back. That's life, this side of Eden, post-fall. And that may be shocking to you, right? I mean, the confession of a pastor, because sometimes, actually, my connection with God hits an absolute dead spot. Anyone relate to that? All right. At other times, it is clear and direct, like Adam... Adam's like, I heard you in the garden. Tim's like, I heard you on the beach. I mean, what would God say to you this afternoon if you were to hear his voice directly? I love the question that God asks Adam. Where are you? Let that be a personal question. So where are you? How's your connection? Are you a five or a three? Or maybe you've never even placed that call. You know, you've never established that connection to begin with. And you're here exploring today. And that, let me just celebrate that with you. That is totally fine. Because we are a church of people all over the spectrum. And the whole point of Liquid is for you to take the next step and dial in that relationship you were created for. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you know a lot and this is like elementary. Or actually you're just starting out and you're like, I don't even know if I really believe that you can talk to Jesus, the Son of God. My guess is that some of you here today are at a one or a zero. Because in the first service, quite honestly, a lot of people indicated that. And that's fine. Maybe you never established that connection with God. I mean, you know, you, you pray over a meal or, you know, at weddings or funerals, you're respectful. More of a formality. It's not personal. It's very common. And you actually may not be anxious to get in touch with God. There's a reason. Because you have questions for him. I mean, God asks, where are you? And you're like, no, 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 God. The other way around. Where were you when my brother died? Or I lost my job? Or my husband left? See, on this side of the fall, we actually, it's turned around. We all have questions of God about his character. I mean, this relationship with Adam seems nice and all, but can, can he really be trusted? I mean, if God really wants to relate to me, then why is life so hard? If God really cares about me as you know, a father for his child, then why is life painful? Why do bad things happen to good people? Where are you, God? It's actually okay to ask that. You have come to the right place. We all have questions. In fact, let's make this live. If you could ask one question of God directly, what would it be? What, what would you ask him? I want everyone to pull out their bulletin. And inside your, uh, your bulletin today, you'll, you'll, you'll see this thing we call a connection card. Every week we ask you to fill this thing out because it allows us to communicate with you. You can write prayer requests down or, or send a message to someone on staff and you'll be sure it's read and heard. But, but today we put a place on there on the back, you see this, to write down one question you would ask God if you could talk directly to him. If you were in the garden, you had a direct line to God, what would you ask? He was your personal friend. In Exodus it says, Moses talked with God face to face as a man would his friend. What would you ask? Now just take out a pen. We gave you a pen. We're going to take each a minute to fill this out. What one question would you ask God if you could? It could be theological, right? Why is there suffering in this world? Could it be personal? Am I ever going to get married? <laughs> How will my kids turn out? Could be historical. Was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? I mean, was that, was that true? What would you ask? I'm going to take a sec and give you a, a moment to do that. Here are some of these uh, from the, uh, the previous service. This gal wrote, is, my question for God is this. Is my dad there in heaven with you? If I had one question, it would be, why has war been such a big part of history, often in the name of religion? If I had one question to ask God directly, it would be, if you knew the fruit would be eaten, why did you put the tree there? 
That's a great question. And this one I just love. It just says, what the heck am I doing in New Jersey? (laughs) I love that. I love that. What's your question? Now, we're going to collect these later and look at what questions you're asking because we all have them. Believers and non-believers alike. And many times it's those questions we have that actually keep us at arm's length from God. That prevent us from connecting with Him as intended. And I'm going to read each one of these and, and, and we'll address them later in our series. But the original point is this. If you go back to the primal design of humanity at the outset of God's creation, it's very clear. Each of us was created to connect on a personal level with God. Not filtered through religious ritual or tradition, but on a personal connective level. And some of our connections are strong, the conversation is clear and personal, and some are just starting out. You're a one or a two, you're just getting to know God and put your trust in Him. And some of you are not sure if you, if you want to connect. Maybe you're not sure how or you, or you have those, those questions. That's fine. We celebrate wherever you are on the journey, you're accepted here. Liquid Church exists to help our generation find God, and we're committed to that process. But that's not all we exist to do as a church. Because here in Genesis 1, we see that we were actually designed for more than God. And now some of you just looked up. Because that may sound weird to some of you. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. More, we were designed for more than God? Whoa, was this blasphemy? Wait a minute. Isn't God enough in life? I mean, you're, you're a pastor. I thought all you need is God. Not so. Says who? Actually, mm, God. The second picture of biblical connection we discover in Genesis 1 is not vertical between man and God, but horizontal. I want you to watch this. Flip back a page. There's a recurring refrain in Hebrew that follows every act of creation that God undertakes systematically in the first chapter of the Bible. He creates the heaven and the earth. He separates the sky and the water, creates land and ocean. And Genesis 1.10 assesses it with this one catchphrase in Hebrew. Let's read it together. And God saw that it was good. And so God continues. He produces vegetation, plants, and trees. Look at this. Follow with me. Sun, moon, stars, and sky. There's day and night. And Genesis 1.18 assesses it this way. And God saw that it was good. So God fills the sky with birds and sea and fish. He's a nature lover. And Genesis 1.21 says... And God saw that it was good. And so he makes livestock, wild creatures, all sorts of things that move along the ground. And verse 25 says, And God saw that it was good. And finally, he creates mankind. Creates them male and female, the crown of his creation. And he actually gives the rest of creation to us as a gift. To humanity. I give every tree and plant and fruit for food. I give you the birds, the animals, the fish. Rule over them. Live in this paradisial realm created just for you. And Genesis 1.31 says this. God saw all that he had made. And it was what? Very good. Nice. (laughs) Are we seeing a pattern here? Now watch. Because something unexpected happens in chapter 2. After explaining in more detail his design and intentions for man, God actually says... um, Actually, it's not all good. Up to this point, everything's as he intended. But in Genesis 2.18, God says, something ain't right. Let's read this together. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And suddenly, the divine refrain of paradise is snapped. It's broken. Why? Andy Stanley notes that uh, for years... Many of us have heard this passage quoted in the context of marriage, and rightly so. But the implications of this, folks, go beyond an affirmation of the marriage relationship. This is more than romance, folks. Otherwise, that means every single person, every single person is living apart from God's design. And that's just not biblical. The Bible says that both singleness and marriage are gifts, according to Paul. Now, there's something more basic, more foundational. At its core, this is a statement about the importance of our connecting well with with others. It is not good for any man or any woman to be alone, to exist in isolation. Cut off from meaningful connection and contact with other human beings is actually not good. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I came across a fascinating newspaper article last summer with the AP headline, Study. 
our circle of friends getting smaller and smaller. This is from the American Sociological Review. It says, Americans who shocked pollsters in 1985 when they said they had only three close friends today say they have just two. And the number who say they have no one to discuss important matters with has doubled to one in four according to a nationwide survey to be released today. And the study found that actually men and women of every race, age, ethnicity, education level reported fewer intimate friends than the same survey a decade ago. There's been a decline of intimacy within families, of weakening bonds of friendship. And the study, which, which actually went on, it went on to detail the far-reaching effects of isolated living. There were like fewer people to turn to for help in crises, rise in neighborhood crimes, and the phenomenon of professional friends. Meaning if you really want to feel like someone cares for you, you can find them in the yellow pages and pay $85. That's how we do it now. We outsource friends to help us with our problems. It says that market decline is adding tremendous pressure on spouses, on counselors, on families. Is that fact surprising to you? While the United States is more populated than ever before, Americans have fewer friends than ever. Not acquaintances, friends. I mean, you can blame all sorts of things for that, right? Our overscheduled calendar, ADR work weeks, whatever. The fact remains, as we ascend the ladder of material success, there is a parallel decline in the quality and depth of our relationships. We as a people are becoming materially rich but relationally poor, to which God says, not good. You were designed to share and walk through life with others, to find a friend. That's the second part of true biblical connection. And I know that seems obvious, but the implications are actually astounding if you think about this here in Genesis, okay? Stick with me. Primal creation. John Ortberg has made a helpful observation about this primal sequence here. I want you to think about this. When God says this, it means he was looking at Adam's situation going, oh, this is, this is not good. And catch this. This was paradise. Physical perfection. Spiritually, Adam is in perfect relational harmony with God. He is the only human in the history of the world to ever experience perfect, unbroken connection with his creator. No one else has ever known this. The fall hasn't yet occurred. There's no sin. There's no disobedience. There is nothing yet in history to mar the relationship between God and man. And yet, the word God uses to describe him is alone. And God says this aloneness is not good. Ortberg writes this, he says, Sometimes, in church circles, when people feel lonely, we'll tell them not to expect too much from human relationships. That there is inside every human being a God-shaped void that no other person can fill. And that is true. But apparently, according to the writer of Genesis, God creates inside this man a kind of human-shaped void that God himself will not fill. Catch that. God has created in each one of us in this room a human-shaped void that God himself will not fill. No, no substitute will, will fill this need in you and me for human relationship. Not money, not achievement, not busyness, not books, not even God himself. Even though this man was in a state of sinless perfection, he was, in God's eyes, alone. And it was not good. That is profound and troubling. Because truth be told, many of you are living in the land of not goodness. A lone ranger kind of Christianity that's just like, hey, me and Jesus, it's just me and Jesus, you know, that's all I need. And you know what? That's unbiblical. <laughs> you were created and designed from the outset of creation to grow in the context of one-on-one -on -one connection with other human beings. To share life and community. It's joys and pains with others. And it is vital to your soul, hardwired by God into our spiritual DNA from the beginning of creation. And that's a challenge, to connect well with others. To find friends with whom to share your, your life, especially in a church our size. This isn't lost on, on me or anyone on our leadership team. I got a prayer request um, a couple weeks ago just kind of jumped out at me and like opened up a gash in my heart. It was from the, uh, a young girl who just graduated from a, uh, a university. I think she was actually in grad school. And in the spring, she started attending Liquid. And she'd been coming throughout the summer. And at first, she was like all excited. I mean, you guys know this. As, as, we're blessed 
as a church to have a large population of adults in their 20s and 30s. It's great. And she was thrilled because she thought, awesome, people my age, it'll be great to, you know, connect with others in my stage of life, go to dinner with people, friends who care, others who pray with, grow with, whatever. And she wrote in her prayer request four words. I am so lonely. And she underlined the word lonely twice for emphasis. She said in parentheses, I have lots of acquaintances, but not many friends. Not many people who know the real me. And she put quotes around that. Please pray for me. I need a friend. Folks, that is one of the double edges of a growing church our size. As, as God blesses us and we become bigger, the challenge in front of us is to intentionally grow smaller at the same time. To focus on developing close circles of relationships, small pockets of people outside of our great weekend gatherings here and be actually intentional about nurturing a handful of close friends, of intimate allies with whom we actually can be transparent and share life with. I mean, that admission, I am so lonely, I need a friend. Folks, that is another echo of Eden that reflects God's primal design for biblical connection. I wish my sister's case were unique, um, or I could tell her, you know, it'll get easier as time goes on, but it won't, (laughs) at least not without some intentionality. It actually doesn't get any easier as you progress through the seasons of life. Some people think, well, you know, well, once I get married, then I won't be alone. You know, you finally find the one, you you know, get to spend life together. You know, do you you want to know what often happens to many couples who are like madly in love and it's now just us? With it comes this natural temptation actually to isolate as a couple. I've seen this over and over. A couple that once shared many friends as like independent singles actually kind of now flounder when they connect with the one. Because suddenly a lot of those needs are being met by their boyfriend or girlfriend, fiance or spouse, which you know what is natural and good in, in marriage. As you transition through different seasons of life, you know what? Friendships do atrophy. That's a natural part of the maturity process. But the trick is those friendships are often never replaced by other supportive relationships with their new peers. It's just me and my fiancé, you know, against the world. You know, we've got each other. Who could ask for anything more, right? Actually, it's the early years of marriage when you most need the support and insight of other couples to help navigate through the early waters of marriage. Contrary to popular myth, it is entirely possible to be married and feel deeply isolated at the same time. To feel lonely even though you're actually living with someone. You were designed to share life with others, not just the one you love. You both need community. And that that need doesn't like, you know, wane once you have kids. A lot lot of people think that. They're like, well, you know, once I slow down, you know, after we settle down and start a family, you know, that's when when, I'll have connection because I'll be sorry. Ha! (laughs) That's rich. You come over to my house. You spend an evening with my little buggers. You will see. (laughs) After I see the parents nodding their heads. After a couple hours with them, the need for sane adult interaction just like skyrockets. Am I right, moms? It was amazing in the morning. Like all the moms like stood up and were like, amen. Amen. Right. You know this better than anyone. It's funny. Young moms, when they're together with one another, sometimes it's like the kids aren't even there. Colleen was getting together with a few of her friends one afternoon. And I drove over to meet her after work. And I walk in. And I'm like, hey, ladies. And there's like, around the table. They're just chatting away like squirrels, like comparing notes. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Where are the kids, by the way? And it was funny because they all like turned their eyes and like shot me this look. And they were like downstairs in the TV room, but don't you dare disturb them. We've got nine more minutes of baby Einstein. (laughs) And they went back to jabbering. And I realized that's about survival, not the video, but the friendship of other mothers. I mean, if there is ever a season in life that can cut you off from others, isolate you and challenge your emotional and mental health, It is motherhood, amen? Just you and baby, not good. (laughs) You need a friend. You need help. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so God creates Eve and gives Adam more than a lover, a friend, an intimate to share life with. Verse 25 says this, they were both naked and felt no shame. In other words, their relationship was marked by total transparency. How many friends do you have with whom you can be totally open, totally transparent, totally vulnerable? Didn't need to hide or pose or duck or cover up or wear a mask in front of one another. How many friends do you have like that? I mean, that's the hallmark of a good marriage, but an outstanding friendship for which you were created. 
Find God. Find a friend. Biblical ingredient number two in God's primal design for connected living. But there's one ingredient missing. A final piece of this equation which God ordained at the outset of creation. I, and I know some of you are you're like, oh, come on. If I could just get these two, right? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is picture perfect. I mean, come on. Adam's in physical paradise. He's got a perfect spiritual connection with God. He's got this fulfilling emotional connection with his wife. They're naked. Who could ask for anything more, right? <laughs> and again, God surprises us. Look at verse 15 of chapter 2. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work it, brother. (laughs) This is kind of funny, and I'll keep this anonymous so as not to betray any confidences. Last year I did a a wedding, and I do a lot of them, so don't try to do the math and figure out who this was. But but I did the wedding of this one couple, just great people. Girl was as sweet as pie. The groom was a a young guy with real strong integrity, sharp guy. I have great hope for a super future together for them. But it was funny because they went on their honeymoon for two weeks to a tropical locale. I won't tell you exactly where because you will be jealous, okay? Think Eden, think paradise, right? And, you know, they dropped off the map for like a couple of weeks and then they resurfaced here at Liquid. And that's great. That's normal. And I was, when I saw them, I was like, hey, so how was it? You know, they're all tan and everything. I was like, oh, it sounded like it was great. And they were like, oh, it was phenomenal, da, da, da. And in their conversation, I go, oh, I bet it was, I bet it was so hard to come back, you know? And they actually looked at each other like kind of funny, you know, they give that like look like, you know, like I got, and, um, and she was like, actually, it, it, it's good to be home. And she looked at him and he like kind of looked down and I was like, really? It's like something happened. Gosh, little awkward moment. Everything okay? You know, and they actually kind of laughed and the guy said, no, 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 nothing bad. But honestly, dude, if I spend one more day on the beach being handed a rum punch and told, take it easy, man, I'm going to explode. <laughs> He goes, two weeks is a hell of a... He goes, sorry, sorry about that. Heck of a long time. He goes, I, I know you're a pastor. Anyway, I can't wait to get back to work, dude. And I looked at him, and I just looked at his wife. I was like, oh, dude, I don't know if you should have said that. That's not what you say as like a first-year husband. And she just goes, he needs to get back to work. <laughs> he does. And you could tell it was something they both felt. She was like, I'm actually crawling out of my skin. I'm anxious to get back to my work, too, is her study. She was in grad school. And I thought, imagine this. A Caribbean honeymoon that is about as close to paradise as most of us will taste this side of Eden. I mean, if you're, a, if you're in a tropical paradise, sharing the most intimate connections with the partner that God has hand-chosen for you, and yet we need something more than sand and sex... Who'd have thought? God, I know, it's hard to believe. We actually need meaningful work in our lives where you can use the gifts that God has hardwired into you. It is part of your divinely ordained wiring for connected living to find a job and a role to play with purpose. Because if you don't find a meaningful role to play in the service of God, you will fail in a fundamental way to bear the image of your Heavenly Father, who is both a creator and a worker. I mean, I mean, catch this. Work, work is good. I mean, I know this is news to some of you, and some of you are like, oop, oop, you just lost me. <laughs> you don't know what I do. I'm not, I'm not even talking about like nine to five. I'm not even talking about a career or profession per se. I'm talking about using the gifts that God has given you to bring order and beauty to the environment that he's planted you in. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work is kind of like bringing strength to it. Take care of it is more of nurture. Far from drudgery or busy work, the point is that God gives each of us at the outset of creation a creative role to play in caring for the environment he set us in. And every man and woman, each of you, each of you is sitting here with a unique gift by God, planted in you. Some of you have, have great strength, <laughs> You see, you see the guys who set up the stage. <laughs> Others of you have nurture. You should visit some of the women who are in the nursery holding your children right now. <laughs> Kiss their feet. <laughs> some bring organization. O- others create beauty. They have creative gifts. He has ordained that you use those gifts in tandem as a team to fully partner with him. This is what he did with Adam and Eve. Look at the responsibilities that God entrusted to Adam and Eve. This is amazing. This is like the first team in creative gifts. It says, God blessed Adam and Eve, and he said to them this, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. There it is again. First, I'm giving you a relationship. Then I'm giving you a role. Find a friend, then find a job. 
rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You catch this? This is amazing. Contrary to popular opinion, the oldest profession in the book is landscaping. Adam and Eve, you are to work together as a team. And I want you to bring order and beauty to the environment I've placed you in. And this is more than groundskeeping, folks. This requires creativity. Genesis 2.19 says that God brought the animals to the man to see what he would name them. He said, I'm going I'm to do the act of creation, but I want you involved, Adam. I want you to use your imagination. So the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field, and genus and species, and he organized it, and he, and he, and he worked in it. God asked Adam to use his creative gifts to bring order and meaning and find fulfillment in his work. In many ways, we are most like our creator when we're creating. <laughs> you are a creative being. You are a relational being. And if you don't have meaningful work to do alongside others, if you don't use your God-given gifts to serve God, there is a disconnect. That's one of the reasons the church exists. So that you have a chance to use your gifts in the service of God in a way that you can possibly use them in the 9 to 5 secular world. Find God. Find a friend. Find a job. That is the divine blueprint for connected living. This is not plucked out of the sky but is an imprinted and set forth at the primal foundation of all creation. And it's a pattern for spiritual growth for you and me. For every son of Adam and daughter of Eve to follow. God said, this is how I'm going to grow my creatures into my image. Now I want to close by getting real personal. Take a look at those three vital areas of connection for you. Which one would you say is weakest for you? Entering the fall here. Which, which area of your life needs you to refocus on reestablishing connection? I mean, take a look at this. I mean, think about this for Adam. I mean, what if God had given Adam, you know, just a wife and a job, but he had no relationship to God? Maybe that's you today, right? You, you've got community. You come to church. In fact, you've got a, you've got a job inside or outside the church, but there's, but there's something missing. Maybe you've been coming to Liquid for some time because and, and, you like hanging around friendly people. You like serving the community with, with, with others. But in order for you to be connected this fall, you need to first find God yourself, actually. Not live vicariously through my spiritual life or listen to the stories of other people's, but actually say, I need to make that connection because I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I have no transcendent connection to charge your relationship and your work with meaning. Or what if Adam had found God and was given a job, but had no one to share it with. It was just him and the animals. He's a divine zookeeper. Maybe you have a relationship with God and you're serving, but you're like a lone ranger Christian. Cut off from community with no one to share life with. You're pretty much in isolation, right? Maybe you come on Sunday with the crowd, you enjoy the service, but then as soon as it's over, get your parking ticket validated and hit the gas. You go home. There is more than that, folks. There's more than Sunday. If you're not intentionally in smaller group community, you're missing out on your divine design for connection. Or what if Adam had found God? <laughs> Great. Found Eve, but had no creative role to play. I mean, to most of us, that sounds like nirvana, right? That's like, I got God, I got friends. That's the kind of Christian church lifestyle I'm looking for. The only problem is that's a watered-down version of connection. It's called consumer Christianity. How many of you like football? You're like, the fall is here, football, right? It's actually kind of like spiritual football on Sunday, right? What happens when you look in there? Thousands of spectators in the pews, but how many on the field? Just a handful. God created you and me to share in his kingdom work together. He actually tells Adam to find meaning and purpose using his strength to serve. We're hardwired to play a role and participate, not to be passive spectators, but to get on the field and bring our gifts to create order and beauty in the environment that God has us in together. Well, here's the deal. At Liquid, this fall, we don't want to be a church of disconnected people. Kidding ourselves and thinking that, well, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Sorry, meatloaf, you know. 
We desire to be a church that mirrors God's original perfect design and connection. And that's why we are rolling out our Connected Living game plan this fall. You likely saw the Connected Living kiosk when you came in. We thank Beth Lakey for that, by the way. Beth Lackey, she did a phenomenal job. We had that constructed to put front and center our philosophy of spiritual growth. A lot of churches like offer a menu and say, hey, there are like 90 things that you can choose from. We're like, no, they're just three. We hope we'll never have a menu, but just be about three things. Connected living is the name of our strategy for helping each of you grow spiritually and connect with God in others at Liquid. That's whether you're new, maybe this is your first day, or you've been coming for years. We encourage everyone to just do three things. Find God, find a friend, and find a job. Find out where you fit. That's what these t-shirts are about. That's what the puzzle pieces refer to. Because we want this to be the kind of church where every man and woman can connect with the divine purposes for which God created you. None of you are meant to live disconnected from God. No one here was meant to be lonely. To just sit in a crowd week after week and feel alone. You do need a friend. And none of you here today were meant to keep your gift to yourself, by the way. There is a role in this church environment that has your name on it. You have a role to play that's about serving God and bringing beauty, order to this place alongside others in a team. And so we've intentionally created for you three environments to connect in this fall. The name of the first one is Starting Point. And I'm going to invite Tucker Brown, Mike Coyle, and Mike Leahy to come on up here. And they're going to tell you about each of their environments because they are the directors of them. But Starting Point is really the environment to find God, to explore faith and experience community. Tucker, can you just tell us about that quickly? Yeah, thanks, Tim. We, uh, we're really excited um, to be kicking off Starting Point again this fall here at Liquid. Because as Tim noted, you know, finding God is such a crucial element to that connected living. And uh, that's what Starting Point is all about. It's giving you the opportunity in a conversational environment to find God. And, um, you know, as Tim used the cell phone analogy or the metaphor this morning, um, to kind of piggyback on that, you know, some of us here, um, you know, in terms of that connection with God, you don't even have the cell phone. You know, you're kind of shopping around, trying to see you're maybe going from store to store, kicking the tires. And that's great. And that's why we love having you here. Um, starting point is a great spot um, for you to be able to kick the tires on faith a little bit more. Um, others of you maybe just bought the new cell phone, but you don't know how all the gadgets work and all the buttons and you're still trying to work through the manual a little bit. That is exactly who Starting Point is geared for. It's, uh, it's a great place to do that. You know, or maybe, you know, a long time ago you bought a cell phone, and uh, if you're like me, you kind of don't use it often, and it's sort of the technology passes you by, or, you know, maybe the package is way too expensive, and so you don't really want to pay for it, um, and you just got to dust it off again. Um, that's a place that, that Starting Point um, would be really good uh, to be able to have that chance to find God in that kind of environment. So this is a class. This is a cl- Sorry. This, I got so this is a class where, um, where you give all the answers. You kind of lecture people and answer all their questions about God. No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, no, it's actually it's a conversational environment, um, and we actually want our leaders to facilitate discussion and not just sit there and lecture. Um, and it's great because it's a real good time to, to ask whatever questions you have and kick the, the tires of faith, but learn God's story and how it fits with your story better. And if you're interested at all about finding anything else out about Starting Point, in the back at the kiosk, there's a brochure um, that'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, but even better, for these next two Sundays, um, after each service, we're doing about a 10 or 15-minute orientation. Uh, so that includes tonight. So if you think, boy, this is something I really want to look at, as soon as uh, we're done at the end, stay in your seats. And about five minutes after that, we're going to do about 10 minutes where we'll cover logistics, um, what Starting Point is in more depth, and we'd love to have you there. So that's a great way to get more information about it. That's awesome. So Tucker and his wife Kathy will be at the kiosk back there, and then they can sit in their seats afterwards for the orientation. Thanks, Tuck. Uh, Michael Coyle, as you guys know, uh, is the director of Life Groups, which is really the new name for our small groups because the emphasis is really on sharing life together. Yeah, that's right, Tim. I mean, we, we are really excited, actually, about rolling out our new small group strategy called Life Groups. Um, and although we've called them Life Groups, they're not for Life Groups. 
But the idea is that you're in, in there sharing life with one another. And so we've organized these groups around season of life, whether you're single, married, uh, around geography. So you're going to see a, a wide swath of our area in there in terms of geography. And they're just going to be a great place to get together, to get connected with each other, to, um, you know, to open the Bible and pray with one another and so forth. But what we haven't done is we haven't stopped there. We also have life classes. And we have a smaller subset of classes, of groups available for people that are interested. Maybe you're not quite ready to be in community with, with other people because of various stages of recovery and things that we go through in our life. So we actually have these classes set up where people are going to be able to you know, learn a little bit more, study. That might be Crown Financial, exploring what the Bible says about money. Uh, inner journey, talking about you know, areas of our heart and so forth. So there's going to be a great... Uh, you know, list of classes there, but we don't just stop there. We actually have classes, or sorry, clubs, just for fun times. They're called just for fun clubs, hence the name. Um, and, you know, we, we actually want you guys, if you're interested, to come out. We've got, you know, a dog walking club. We've got clubs for, um, you know, pampering women. We've got clubs for... <laughs> Um, which I was told was a prayer group, but I'm not sure anymore. You know, I, don't, I don't know. Um, no, but, you know, we've got some just fun stuff. So, you know, three, three distinct areas. But really, we want you guys to stop by the kiosk and, and talk to us afterwards. Come talk to me. Um, and next week, I think we're actually having our, our menu published, uh, our list of life groups. So we definitely want everybody in the room to, to look at that. Many of you are leading these groups, and we want everybody to be connected. You know, when we read that uh, prayer request from our sister... I'm lonely, I need a friend. Um, we did more than just pray, pray for her. Our, our heart broke for her. And it just like redoubled our commitment to launch these groups this fall with extra care so that there is literally something for everyone. Every season of life, every piece of content and area. I mean, if you were going to join a life group, what kind would you be most likely to join? That's the second question on here. And that will actually, if you fill that out on your connection card, that will help give us a sense as we finalize the menu um, for next Sunday. So that menu will be available, clubs, classes, and groups next Sunday as well. That's right. Too. Awesome. Mike Leahy, as you know, is the director of our service teams, and I'll turn it over to him. Sure. Well, I'm going to ask any of you who serve on our service teams, Welcome Center, Liquid Kids, Set Up, Take Down, if you could stand up. Sorry. Just go ahead and stand up right where you are. Any area that you serve at Liquid. Wow. And just take a look around the room at all the different people that awesome job. Thanks. You know, one of the things that uh, is so exciting is that there's so many different ways that you can serve. And, you know, uh, some of those are more visible for people who serve maybe on a greeting team or on the worship team. Uh, for some, some of those people, it's going to be behind the scenes a little bit or on the sidelines, like our uh, tech teams and media teams. Where for some of those, it's invisible. Like, for instance, I see uh, Pat Kelly over there, and he helps with the uh, takedown of Liquid Kids. And you'll never see that, but our kids experience that every week. Um, and what's great is that there is a role for you guys to have, each of you, in different areas. But, more, but what is more important than that role is the opportunity that you're going to have to connect with people. You know, it was neat. Uh, Pat and I, sorry if I'm picking on you, buddy. But uh, Pat and I talked about a month ago, and he said, hey, Mike, listen, I really want to get involved. I really want to get plugged in. And it's been great to watch Pat as I've seen him connect with different people that he serves with over the course of the weeks. And just a whole different environment for Pat as he comes in on Sunday. He talks to the people he serves with. He has a connection with them. They share a common bond and what they do together. And it's been a source, you know, from what I've, I've experienced in watching you, of enjoyment for him. And so I just really encourage you guys, um, as you think about that, um, to think well beyond just the serving part for what happens beyond that. A lot of that you don't get to see. Uh, I also will be in the back uh, with a kiosk, and what we've done is put together a brochure, not just that says, this is what we need from you, um, can you do it? We specifically set it up as three different areas. I enjoy people, I enjoy logistics, or I enjoy performing. And what we're looking for you is areas that you can plug into that speak to who you are. So you enjoy working with people. We have greeting. Enjoy logistics. We have set up or takedown. Enjoy performing, working with uh, liquid kids or um, worship team, things like that. So I hope that you'll uh, stop by and take a chance to uh, just talk with me or ask some questions about where you could plug into what's happening here at Liquid. I was talking with one of the guys on your hospitality team, the greeting team, this morning. And it was amazing because he's actually a day trader. He actually 
I think he's very successful from what I understand, where he makes a lot of cash, exciting for your life. And uh, I said, how are you doing? You know, business here. He goes, oh, dude, forget about that. I look forward. This is my one day a week that I actually look forward to. And I was like, are you serious? He goes, where else do you get to wear a T-shirt and actually just love on people? He goes, that's my job. And the idea is, is that in God's economy, when you're doing kingdom work with other people, using your gifts, you get a chance to do something that there's no way you could have, find a parallel in your 9 to 5 secular job. So we hope you'll plug in. You need to use your gifts to be fully connected. You were made for a relationship, to find God at starting point. You were made to share life with others, find friends in a life group this fall. And you were created to use your talents to serve others. Find a job this fall on a service team. I promise you won't regret it because it's how God designed every man and woman in this room to grow from the very beginning of creation. That's what connected living is all about. And I really do hope you'll be a part of it this fall. Amen? All right, let's pray together. God, we thank you for hardwiring us for connection. We thank you, God, that even though sometimes it feels you feel distant, um, we know you long to be found by us. And Lord, you're not very far from us. Lord, I pray for men and women who are going to take a step this fall into starting point, um, that they would actually find their way and that you would reveal yourself to them, even give them the courage to stay for the orientation today. God, I pray for the people who are going to take a chance to come into community and life groups and classes and clubs. I just ask that you would be with those groups, Father. Establish deep, horizontal connections between us. Let us be people who love each other extravagantly and let no one go lonely. And I finally pray, God, that you would just unleash a new stream of gifts in this church and talents and bring us together, Father, as, as team members who love one another and love sacrificing for your kingdom. We love you, God, and we thank you for the, the plan for growth that you've laid out for us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.